You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Thank you for joining us today. And please tag a friend and let them know that we are live. You can also get the audio of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. At the end of the teaching, I have my iPad here. Any questions that you like to give me today or any comments you like to make at the end of the teaching, I always go back and, and answer questions and, and communicate the comments. Your participation is very, very important. And please help me to get the word out by just sharing it with your Facebook friends or whoever, because I believe that the word of God is the answer. We're going to have an exciting uh, time today. I want to continue a six-part series that I've entitled, No Pressure, You Can Handle It. No Pressure, You Can Handle It. Now, this series theme has to do with overcoming the pressures of life. Now, when you agree that this is a very appropriate subject, because there's pressure all around us. We're in a pandemic. A lot of things are going on, a lot of challenges. But God wants us, you and I, to overcome the pressures of life. Come on, say, I win. Come on, say it. I win. <clears throat> we overcome the pressures of life. Now, I have three goals in this six-part series. Number one, to control stress. We spent two weeks talking about stress. We want to accept peace. In our last session, we began part one. This will be our second lesson on peace. And then thirdly, we want to choose rest. And I have two lessons on rest. Now, last week, we began to talk about the anxiety-free life the anxiety-free life, accepting the peace that Jesus left us. So we answer several questions. What does God's peace look like? We talked about in our last session. We also talked about how God's peace protects us internally and externally. And we also answer the question, what are the effects of God's peace. Now, let's close this session on peace by talking about the way of peace or the pathway uh, to peace. Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 42. Luke 19, verses 41 through 42 in the New Living Translation. I love looking at the scriptures through different translations. Now, listen what the text says. It says, but as he came closer, referring to Jesus, as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he, Jesus, began to weep. That's interesting. And this is what uh, he said, how I wish today you of all people would understand 
the way of peace. Now, Jesus approached Jerusalem. He's looking out from, from a hilltop. He's looking out at Jerusalem. And as he approached Jerusalem, the scripture says, he said, he began to cry. And he said, how I wish today you, referring to the Jews, his God's people, you of all people will understand the way of peace. Isn't that interesting that Jesus cried because Israel did not understand that he was their prince of peace. He was the Messiah. And the Bible says he wept because he was present, but they didn't recognize him. I wonder, I wonder do Christ sometimes weep over us when he see us living a anxiety-filled life, frustrated life, discouraging life, a life full of uh, discouragement and mental torment, I wonder do Jesus sometimes weep because maybe he's saying to us that you of all people, Christians, you should know the way of peace of all people. Because remember over in John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, talking to his people, talking to the church, talking to you and I, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world give, give I unto you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now he's telling us that he left us, willed us his peace, and it's not the way the world operates. It's a supernatural peace. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So let's talk about the way of peace today as we conclude this uh, fourth lesson. First, I think it's important to understand that Jesus paid for it on the cross. You, believer, you, Christian, regardless of what's going on in your life, maybe it is job-related, maybe it is people-related, maybe it is a disappointment, maybe it is a tough challenge, maybe it is the death of a loved one, but I want you to understand that Jesus paid for your peace at the cross. Your peace, the right to peace, to walk, the right to live in peace has been paid for you. Isaiah 53 verse 5 and the traditional King James Version says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, upon Christ. But when I look at that same verse, Isaiah 53, 5, in the good word translation, it says, he was punished so that we could have peace. That's good. Jesus was punished so that you and I could have peace. 
Now, the NIV, the New International Version, Isaiah 53, 5 says, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. In other words, listener, Jesus paid for your peace on the cross. It's already paid for. You don't owe grief. You don't owe discouragement. You don't owe depression. You don't owe anything. Emotional torment is already paid for. Your peace is paid for. If it's paid for, you can walk out the store. In the bag, it's in the bag, it's in your hand, it's in your possession, it's already paid for. The way to peace, you need to understand first that your peace was paid for on the cross. Secondly, you must understand that peace, the peace of God, is in you right now. If you're born again, I'm born again, if you're born again, then God's peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that supernatural peace, that peace that the world doesn't have is in you now. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Galatians 5, 22. It's in the good God's uh, word translation, God's word translation, Galatians 5, 22. It says, but the spiritual nature produces love, joy, peace, so forth and so on. The spiritual nature produces love, joy, peace, so forth and so on. And it lists nine fruits. The spiritual nature produces peace. You have it. If you're born again, you have God's peace in you. Now, the newborn human spirit, your spirit man, you are a spirit being. You have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, your will, and you live in a physical body. But the real you is a spirit man. You're on the inside of that physical body. And when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you invited Jesus into your life, your human spirit that was dead, separated from God, was recreated. You were born again, not physically, but you were born again spirit. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, the Bible says. So you're brand new on the inside, brand new. Your reborn human spirit is referred to the fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the spirit that's mentioned in Galatians 5 is really the nature of your reborn human spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, 
patience, long-suffering, all these temperance, meekness, that's your new, that's your new nature. So peace is a part of your new nature. So peace is not out here somewhere. If you're born again, peace is in you. Come on, say that. Peace is in me. Come on, say it. Come on, say it. Peace, God's peace, Jesus' peace is in me. Come on, say that. Right where you are, no matter what you're doing right now, I want you to open your mouth, and I want you to say God's peace is on the inside of me. God's peace is in me. God's peace is in me. Now, listen at this. Most Christians are operating out of their soul and their bodies. And you may be listening to this podcast right now, and you may be saying, well, I don't feel peace. You know, I feel confused. I I don't feel peace. I, I feel torn, torment. I don't feel peace. Uh, everything around me is just all messed up. Well, if that's what you're saying, and it may be your reality, then what you're doing, unfortunately, is that you're operating out of your body and out of your soul. Now, what does I mean by what do I mean by that? The, 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 the body has been designed or equipped with senses or sense gates. The eye gate, the ear gate, the nose gate, the touch. We have senses. Our bodies are equipped with senses gates so that we could contact the physical, natural world. And so most Christians operate out of their senses. They are governed by their senses. The Bible says, now listen at this, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 and 10, it says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither have entered into the heart or the mind of man or the human understanding the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Verse 10, 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Now notice, the things that God has prepared for us cannot be perceived experience through our senses, through our sense gates. The Bible says the eye gate, the ear gate, our human understanding can't perceive the things that God has prepared. So you can't experience this peace from the external world. That's what the world is trying to do. They're trying to get peace from the external world. They want this to happen so they have peace, or they want that to happen so they have peace. They want people to act a certain way so that they will have peace. So the world, the unsaved people of the world, are trying to get peace from the external, from the outside of them. Well, 
the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by our senses. We walk by faith. So we operate not from the external. We operate from the internal. In other words, we believe what the word says that we have on the inside. So what we focus on, we walk by faith, is that we focus on the inside rather than focusing on the outside. Most Christians are also operating out of their soul, their thoughts, human reasoning, their emotions, how they feel. This is the way I feel. I feel like a failure. I, I feel like uh, I'm not winning. I, I feel like I'm not going to make it. I feel like there's no way out. I feel like I'll never get ahead. And that's where many Christians are operating. They're operating out of what they're feeling. Are you, are you operating that way? Are you operating out of how you're feeling? See, if you operate out of your emotions, you're never going to walk in this peace because you're trying to feel it before you believe it. You want to feel it. You want to feel it. I want to feel that everything is all right. I want to feel that I'm going to make it. No, remember the, the, the foundation scripture of this podcast it's 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us triumph. The Bible says that we always win. We always win. So no matter what is happening around us, we know ultimately if we hold on to what God says, we know that the ultimate end is success. The ultimate end is win. Because we walk by faith, not by what we're feeling, not by our human reasoning. It just looked like this. It's just look, we're not supposed to operate like that. And that's the unfortunate reality. Here, Jesus, he took the punishment so we could have peace. So the price is already paid. And here the scripture tells us that on the inside of us, the Bible says he's our peace. Jesus is on the inside of us. So we have peace, but we don't believe it. Now listen at Romans 15, verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that's a good scripture. Now, I want to read it to you again. I want you to listen to it slowly. I want you, I want you to listen to it slowly. Romans 15, verse 13. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope, so we're never hopeless. We're never hopeless because he's our God. He's the God of hope. So there's no situation we're going to end it, and, and, and we can't get out of it. Now, watch this. Now may the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace. Now notice this, in believing, in believing, in believing, 
So now listen, we're talking about the way to peace, the path to peace. There are two pathways we've already talked about. Jesus paid for it on the cross. Isaiah 53, 5, do you believe that? In believing, do you believe it? I know you weren't there on the cross. I know you didn't see it. You didn't, you didn't hear him cry out. You didn't see his pain. You didn't feel his pain. But the Bible says that he was punished so that we could have peace. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Or you believe in something else? Because we're either believing the scripture or we're believing something else. Well, the second pathway is to understand that peace is in you. Do you believe it? The fruit of the Spirit, one of the qualities of the fruit of the Spirit, the reborn human spirit, is peace. So peace is in you. Jesus is in you. Peace is in you. Do you believe it? Now I want you to be honest. Are you believing this the word, or are you believing what you feel? Are you believing the word, or are you believing what your circumstances say? Are you believing the word, or are you believing what some other person said to you, or what some other person did? What are you believing? What, what are you believing? Because the Bible says God will fill us with joy and peace in believing. And I've given you two things to believe that Jesus paid for your peace on the cross. And when you made Jesus the Lord, God put in your reborn human spirit peace. So peace is on the inside of you now. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Now, if you're full of discouragement, you don't believe it. If you're depressed and full of depression, it's because you don't believe it. If, if you feel, if you, in, you just feel like you're not going, you're a failure and all that, it's because you don't believe it. You don't believe it, but you can change that. You can change that. So the way to peace, number one, understand Jesus paid for it on the cross. Number two, understand you have peace in you. Now, number three, number three is a biggie. Jesus paid for it. Peace is in you. Now, number three, follow God's prescription. Follow the prescription. We, most of us have gone to the doctor and the uh, doctor may have given us a prescription. It was a written order. It was a guide, directions on how to take the prescribed medication. Take two of these pills, take it once a day, take one pill after a meal, take another pill before you go to bed. Well, that's the doctor's prescription. And the doctor is saying, if you will follow the prescription, then all things being equal, the medicine in cooperation with your body will produce the kind of results you need. Got it? Well, in the Bible, God gives us a peace prescription. 
and it's found over in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. I'm going to read verses 4 through 9, and then I'm going to give you the prescription. This is the traditional King James Version. I want you to go back and look at it because this is God's prescription. Now, in any prescription, you got to take it. Now, watch this. In verse 4, Philippians 4, verse 4, the King James Version, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace, here's the result, and the peace of God, which pass all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. And here's the verse to protect. You got to protect that peace. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, lovely, whatsoever things of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And then finally, verse 9 is just one, two, three, four, five, just six verses in the prescription. Verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So let's talk about the prescription. I'm going to give you God's prescription, and you have to take it. And there are five pills. You got to take these pills. They're all five. You got to take all five. You got to take all five. You can't put the scriptural bottle on, on, uh, on your cabinet and leave it there. You have to take the prescription. And the first pill, the first pill is found in verse four. And that is rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always always. That's the first pill. You got to take that pill. You got to take it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, it's not telling you to rejoice for the bad thing you're experiencing or the negative circumstances or the challenge. He's not telling you to rejoice because of it. It says rejoice in the Lord always. Now, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Isaiah 61.3 says, for mourning, put the oil of joy for mourning. Now, joy is also on the inside of you. It's not based off circumstances. Joy and peace are on the inside of you. It's a part of your reborn, recreated human spirit. It is connected, the joy that's in you is con connected to the continual presence of the Lord. The continual presence of the Lord. In his presence is fullness of joy. Now, here's the thing. When you got saved, God came to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And the scripture says he's a, he'll abide with you forever. 
So you, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to be going out and coming in. Sometimes he with you, sometimes. But the Holy Spirit, God himself, is on the inside of you. And notice it is his presence with you that stimulates the joy. In other words, it's knowing that no matter what you're facing in life, no matter what the situations, how dire they are, how negative, how adverse they are, you have the, the knowledge that the Spirit of God, God himself, is with you. He's in you right now, so he's with you. Sometimes we get depressed because we feel alone. We feel that nobody knows. We're by ourselves. No, no, no. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord, not in the situation, but rejoice in the fact that his presence is on the inside of you always. No matter where you're going, no matter what you're dealing with, you're rejoicing the fact that he's on the inside. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice that the Lord is in you. Rejoice in that fact that you you are not by yourself. And, and it, it's important to keep a laughing, joyful spirit. Okay. It says the Lord. Uh, now, the second peel that you have to take is found in verse 5. It says, let your moderation be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Now, the second peel is don't get caught up with what men do or don't do. Don't get caught up with what other people do or they don't do. Don't get caught up with what other people do or they don't do. Now, a, a, a big thief uh, of our peace, if we allow it to steal, is people. People. People, it's people, people, it's people. The Bible says, let your moderation be known to all men for the Lord is at hand. Now, the word moderation means forbearance. It means overlooking the faults and the fears of others. I know that may be challenging, especially if you are a parent or especially if you are supervising, you got people or you're on a team and other folk may be dragging their feet and you feel like other folk not carrying their weight and it just frustrating you. Now, listen to listen to me. It may be frustrating. It may be disappointing, but it shouldn't get in you. It should, you should not take on other people's challenges. In other words, don't let people get on the inside of you. You say, but I can't help it. Yes, you can because the scripture says, let your moderation, that's forbearance, overlooking faults and failures of others. In other words, to overlook doesn't mean don't hold people accountable, but it does mean don't let frustration get in you. Don't let it get in you because if it gets in you, then other people are controlling you. God never intends for other people to control your disposition. That's why people are so moody, because they're allowing circumstances and they're allowing people to control their disposition. 
you don't, you don't have to allow people to jerk you up and they got you all upset and they got you all mad and they got you all frustrated. Now you, you can't, you, you can't eat your meal. You, you can't, you can't relax because the people are, are got you all frustrated. No, no. You're choosing that. You, you're making a choice to allow that to get on the inside of you. The Bible says, let your moderation, forbearance, overlooking the faults and failures of others. Why? Because you got faults and you got failures. It's easy when you don't think you're perfect. People got to overlook some things about you too. Think about it. You say, well, they're getting on my nerve. Well, you get on people's nerve too. See, if you were perfect, then that would be great. People have to overlook some stuff in your life. Think about it. it. It's easy for me to overlook some things and not let it get all in me and mess up my day because I know I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. You're not perfect. People have to put up with some things with you. I, I know that may be a shock to you, but they have to put up with some things. Your children have to put up with some things about you. Even as parents, we're not perfect. Even as supervisors, we're not perfect. Even as pastors, we're not perfect. Those people in my church, they're getting on my nerve. Well, you probably get on their nerve sometime too because we're not perfect. The Bible says the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near to help you. In other words, she's saying rather than focus on the people, focus on the Lord. Much of the time that we're frustrated, it's because we're focusing on the people, what they did, what they didn't do, what they did, what they didn't do, rather than focus on the Lord. So number two, second peel, you got to take it now. Peel number one, rejoice in the Lord always. Peel number two, don't get caught up with what men do or don't do. In other words, don't let it get inside of you. Sometimes people drop the ball. Sometimes people don't do what they're supposed to do. Don't let the frustration get inside of you. Don't let it get inside of you and jerk you around and and take away your peace and your joy and you're all upset because of what people did or didn't do. Now, third peel, pray about everything. That's verse six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then he says, and the peace of God that pass all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. So let's look at this pill. You got to take this pill. You got to take it. Pray about everything. Now, that's the spiritual response. Where is the natural response? That's why he said, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. So he's telling you what you should do. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray about the little things. Pray about the middle-sized things. Pray about the big things. And everything by prayer, with supplication, and thanksgiving. So prayer, there are three kinds of prayer he's mentioning there. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. Prayer, there is worship. He says, when you're tempted to worry, and we're all tempted to worry. He said, be careful for nothing. He said, prayer. 
pray prayer. But that's not just any kind of prayer. That's worship. When you feel anxiety coming, you're feeling that frustration trying to come, take a five-minute worship break. Take just five minutes. It may be at your desk for just five minutes. It, it may be at home. You, you, you Just take five minutes and take your worship break. Just for five minutes. That's what prayer there means. It means worship. I love you, God. You're so wonderful. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being my El Shaddai. Thank you for being my uh, all-sufficient God. I thank you for being wonderful and loving and kind and good. Jesus, thank you for paying for my peace. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Jesus, and then worship, worship the Spirit of God. You're on the inside of me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're greater than what I'm facing right now. Just a five-minute worship break. Just a five-minute. So he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, that's worship, and supplication. The word supplication is a definite request. In other words, give God a detailed request a detailed request of what you need or desire. Talk to him in detail. Talk to him. That's what supplication means. It means a detailed request. So everything that's bothering you right now, everything that's concerning you right now, talk to him about it. Talk a detailed request. And then he said, do this, worship, supplication, detailed request, and then add some thanksgiving. Thank him for the answer before you see it. Just start thanking him for the answer. Thank him for your past faithfulness. Now, God, you got me out of this last time, and I know you're going to get me out of this, and I just want to thank you for it. And he says, if you will pray, worship, definite request, supplication, spend just a few moments in Thanksgiving, he says that the peace of God will guard your heart that's your mind, your heart, and your mind, your spirit, and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, you got to take that peel. First peel, rejoice in the Lord always. Second peel, don't get caught up with what men, others do or don't do. Don't let it get inside of you. Number three, pray about everything. Number four, Set your mind on the positive. That's verse 8. Set your mind on the positive. Now, notice he says, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. Think on these things. I put it like this, set your mind on the positive. Now, that has you in control, and a lot of people don't think they are. But this verse, verse 8, lets us know that we're in control. He says, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good, report, if they're being a virtue, if they're being a praise, think on these things. So that means... If I'm thinking on these things, I can't think on the other things. All these things are positive. 
true, honest, just. So is it true? Is it honorable? Is it fair? Think on these things. Is it a good report? Think on these things. Think on the positive. You've got to control your thinking. Now, um, uh, that means you're going to have to pay attention to what you're thinking. You're going to have to pay attention to what you are thinking. And then the fifth pill is just do it. I think that was Nike. Just do it. Listen at this. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's your first pill. Don't get caught up with what others do or don't do. That's pill number two. You got to take this. Number three, pray about everything. Number four, set your mind on the positive things. You're thinking on the positive things. And then number five, just do it. That's verse nine. Paul says to this church, the things that you've learned, the things that you've received, the things that you've heard, and the things that you have seen, do. And the God of peace will be with you. He said, do it. Just do it. Just do it. Now, you know, I, um, I, uh, came to a realization uh, about others and about myself. I realized that I have I fall in the same temptation that other ministers and teachers and apostles and prophets and and communicators fall into. We want to say something different. We want to say something new. We want to say something fresh. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But as a pastor for 40 years, lit above 40 years, I realized that most Christians, especially Christians that are in good churches, where they're fed the word and taught the things of God. Most Christians don't need anything new. I discovered that most Christians are not doing what they've learned. Wow. And and, uh, Paul says, now the things, verse 9, the things that you've learned, the things that you've heard, the things that you've seen in me, he said, just do it. So now think about it. He said, the things that you've learned, so there were some things he taught them. He said, the things that you have received, there were some things that they received from him from the word. The things that you have heard, so they they were in sessions where they were listening to the word, and then the things that you've seen, Think about it. At the writing of this letter, where Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Don't get caught up with what men do or don't do. Pray about everything. Set your mind on the positive. He's in prison. Think about it. That is so fascinating. This man is telling the believers, 
to rejoice in the Lord always set their mind on the positive. And he's in prison writing the letter. This letter was written while he was in prison, not sure whether he's going to be executed or not. So he says, what you've heard and learned and seen, he said, do it. You got to do it. You, we can teach forever. I can go through this prescription, rejoice. Don't get called up. Pray about everything. You can listen to this. You can tweet it. You can do everything. You can comment. You can do everything. But if you don't do it, you're not going to walk in peace. You're just not going to experience the peace. Now, I want to not just say that to you. I changed just recently, just just recent, real recent. I, I, I think I'm going to stop asking for more insight and more wisdom and more revelation and more of this. Right now what I'm praying, because I realize that fault in me too, I realize I need to practice what I've learned. I need to practice what I've heard, what you know, what I've seen in people who walked in victory and, and, and the things that I've taught. I've got to practice it. I've got to do it. I don't really need a lot, a lot of different revelation. I need to practice what I'm preaching. And so that's my prayer, Lord. Help me to practice what I've learned. Help me to really do it. Because, see, think about it. When you think about a pandemic of above a year, year, well, a year and a half of a pandemic, how do you think most Christians are responding? Are they responding like everyone else, the unsaved, or there is a different response to it? Unfortunately, I think most of what we have to admit that most Christians in this environment are responding just like people who are unsaved, and in some cases, people who've never been taught the word. Now, that's an unfortunate reality, that many Christians are not walking in this supernatural peace. So I want to I wanna close, and, and I see that I have two questions there. You can send your questions in now. I want to close by a fourth path. We, we talked about Jesus paid for it on the cross, your peace. You have peace on the inside of you, came in a new birth. Follow God's prescriptions, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. And then number five, give your peace to others. That is Difficult to do if we're not walking in it. So how do I do it? Number one, I have to demonstrate it. I've got to demonstrate it. You got to demonstrate what this supernatural peace look like. We've got to demonstrate it. Jesus is lying his head on a cushion, on a pillow, in a boat full of water. He's demonstrating peace in a difficult time. We, you and I, have to give peace to others. We've got to demonstrate it. Number two, we got to speak it. 
We got to start talking peace. Jesus stood in the storm and said, peace, be still. We have to start talking peace. We were coming home from vacation yesterday, and we ran into some rainy weather storm, and every time we hit a place, I'll say, calm down. I said, now, slack up, storm, slack up. I want you to slack up. I'm speaking peace. You know, rather than talking about how bad things are, oh, it's terrible. This is going on. This is bad. The government is bad. The church is bad. Oh, this is bad. My job is bad. Everything is bad. No, we're to speak peace to it. Jesus said, peace be still. We're to speak peace to it. And then finally, we're to preach it. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. We're to tell other folk about peace. Now, that's going to be hard to do if we're not walking in it and if we're not talking it. So stop talking confusion. Stop talking turmoil. Stop talking about how bad things are and start talking peace. Start speaking peace. Start speaking peace, demonstrating peace, and let's start sharing this word. Let's start preaching. When you see people all messed up, let's preach peace to them. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, Romans 10, 15. Now, this concludes our two lessons on peace. So we talked two lessons on stress, two lessons on peace, and we have two more lessons in this six-part series. We're going to talk about rest. Two more lessons. We're going to talk about rest. Now, I have a couple of questions. You can send your questions in now or comments now, but I have a couple of questions. How do you, first question, how do you learn to still care for people and still not allow them to keep you in bondage? Well, that's a good question. It's not a lot of details to the question. Um, So when you say keep you in bondage, I'm not totally sure uh, everything that you're saying, but I'm going to take a stab at it. How do you learn to still care for people and still not allow them to keep you in bondage? Well, I want to approach this from two angles, and maybe I'll hit what you're talking about. We should always care for people. We should care. We should always care for people, but we shouldn't receive their anxiety. You can care for people and not receive their anxiety. I remember when Jesus was on that boat sleep over in Mark chapter 4 and the the water was uh, filling the boat up and the the disciples were frantic and and upset and scared and they ran to Jesus and said, Jesus, careth thou not that we perish? Don't you care? Jesus didn't receive their, their care. You have to choose to not take on other people's worry. Everybody's emergency can't be yours. You can't allow everyone's emergency to be your emergency. See, a lot of times when people are frantic and they're upset, they want you to be upset too. 
and you can't embrace it. You can't take it on. You can care for them, give support to them, but you're not going to get all frantic and upset and messed up because they messed up about it. Another way, another side to this, uh, not allowing them to keep you in bondage is set boundaries. You set boundaries on how much support you're going to give. It may be emotional support. You're going to set boundaries. You're going to set boundaries on how much financial support you're going to give. You got to set some boundaries. Don't allow people to make you their Jesus. Don't allow people to make you their God. The scripture says, but my God shall supply all your need. Didn't say you were going to supply all needs. Didn't say you were going to be Jesus. You're going to be the supply. No, no, you're not called to be of a supply. They have a responsibility. I will give support, but I'm not going to become a crutch. I will give help, but I'm not going to be the answer. The word is the answer. Mike Moore is not the answer. You are not the answer. So I hope that helps you in answering that, that question. Boundaries, limits, giving support, yet not embracing their care. Don't take their care on the inside of you. You can stay cool, poised, but people want you to get all nervous and because they're nervous. No, you're going to choose to stay calm. Remember over in John chapter 11, when uh, the disciple uh, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. I want you to come. I want you to come. And the Bible said Jesus stayed where he was for the two more days. And it was four days before he got there. Jesus didn't allow them to rush, their rush and their emergency to be his. And, and that's what I'm talking about. The second question I have here is, Pastor Mike, when you said think with your heart, are you talking about when God said, I will give you a new heart? Is that thinking in the spirit, not in the natural? Okay. Okay. Here's, here's uh, what I said. I said that most Christians are operating out of their body and their soul. They're not operating out of their heart. Okay. Now, that's a good question. Uh when I say heart, I'm talking about, yes, the new heart that God gave you, the, the human spirit, the, the inner man on the inside of you, God placed peace, joy, love, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, tempers, all in the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives all on the inside of you, on, on the inside of you. He, he doesn't technically live in the physical body. He lives in your spirit, okay? He is a spirit, okay? He's in you. And your body house your spirit, so he's in there. But when, when I talk about believing with the heart, I'm talking about believing in what God said about you on the inside. In other words, if it's believing what the word says, 
if the word says that we always triumph, 2 Corinthians 2, 14, that's what, that's what I believe. And I'm going to believe that even though naturally it looked like I'm losing. It looked like I'm experiencing defeat. And it may be defeat. But what I'm believing is what the word says. So I'm believing with my heart, with my spirit. I'm not believing with my senses because my senses tell me I'm not winning. So believing with your heart is believing what the word says about you and what you have and what you can do and where you are. The Bible says we're seated with Christ, so we're not under the circumstances. So I'm not going to talk about being under the circumstances. I'm on top of the circumstances. So that's what I mean. Believing spiritually, not naturally. Most people are believing with their senses, what their sense tells them. They're believing with their emotions, what they're feeling. That's not the way we operate. We operate in the spirit, and that's what I'm talking about, not in the natural. The world operates in the natural. What they feel, uh, what they see, what they hear, what they taste, that's their reality. Our true reality is what the Word says about us, what we can do, what we can have, and where we are. That's our reality. That's a great question. Well, thank you so very much. Uh, next session, we're going to talk about rest, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. I love you.